<laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number four of Brews and Tunes, sponsored by Zaftig Brewing Company. My name is Corey Black. I am the host of this podcast show thing. Uh, also help lead the band The Brutet at the jam sessions on Thursdays at Zaftig, which are currently not happening, obviously, with the crazy world we live in. And tonight, I am beyond excited to dive into a topic that you may or may not have thought of, uh, but myself and our guests tonight definitely have. So let me introduce them. Uh, tonight, we have with us my coworker and really, really good friend, so happy that he is with us, Jacob Reed. How's it going, Jacob? Hey, everybody. It's going pretty well. Yay! Glad Jacob. to be here. I have wanted to talk to you forever, and this is our chance to actually talk to the masses of people. So it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And also <laughs> along with us is the great Jay Miglia. Jay Miglia the Great. Uh, and he's back with us, as you see, Jay in May, which is fantastic. We're excited about that. And Jay, how are you doing tonight? Very well. Thank you for inviting me on, Corey. Yay! Appreciate it. Hey, Psyched. I... I like the haircut you got going on there. Did you, uh, did Man, you rock this yourself? I did, sir. Man, I need it, to learn. I used to knock it down like this when I was in college to try to save a dollar. That's smart. And uh, I just happened to save the clippers, and uh, they worked. <laughs> Magically, they worked. That's, that's fantastic. So instead of doing jam sessions, you're just going to do uh, haircutting yeah. at your place, right? That's how it that's works. Yeah, don't, yeah, right. That's good. Jacob and I need don't a self need serve a, thing, right? So <laughs> yeah. I'm getting in trouble. Self serve. I'll just give you the clippers. I love it. I love it. <laughs> could leave the tip or not a tip at all. Just use the clippers. <laughs> well, I think Jacob and I both uh, could benefit from that someday, but it's fine. I'm going to let it flow and flow and flow. And. Uh, Anywho. Mine just goes straight out, so I couldn't deal if it just goes. That's uh, that's like my beard hair. I don't know if you, Jacob, got to see it a lot. It was, it was, it was something. It was something fierce. It was, uh, it was pretty gross. Yeah, a shrub. Yeah. You know, it's really bad when you get to the point where you can't use the normal like beard clippers to get rid of it. You have to pull out the scissors, and then like for me, it's like PTSD. Because any of you know me. Oh, Cutting yeah. things, <laughs> fruits. Anyways, all right. With points. <laughs> Anyways, we are so happy you're with us tonight, guys. Uh, like I said, this show will be all about the souls of instruments or uh, instruments and and what they mean to musicians. I think it's a really interesting topic that maybe hasn't been explored to the the point that I would like to explore, which is obviously why we're talking about it tonight. Um, but before we dive into any of that, it is time for us to do our brew of the week. Tonight, I am excited, as always, repping the Zaftig. Tonight, I've got the Razzie Galore, which if you have not had yet, it is a relatively new addition to the Zaftig fleet of beers. It is fantastic. It's got hints of raspberry and chocolate. It is a stout. It is amazing. I love Ooh. it. Delicious. Um, that I will, sounds good. I, it, it is amazing. I agree. Uh, perfect for a Cinco de Mayo. Uh, or in my case, if you may have had uh, a margarita before the great show, uh, should be should be a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah. What, what are you guys drinking? Jacob, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm drinking my favorite beer in the world. Obviously, they're different beers for different times. Um, but my go-to favorite is Bell's Two-Hearted. Hey. It's kind of like an original craft brew. Mm. It's an American IPA, uh, old school mm -hmm. style, and it is um, really creamy and the right kind of bitter with all the yummy hops, and I love it. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of that one. We exchanged earlier cheers. through the, yeah, cheers, exactly. We talked about earlier, there's a great recipe from Bell's for their beer cheese, mm, and it is amazing, and it uses the uh, two-hearted ale, and it is, oh, it's so good, so... <laughs> That was a good choice. All right, Jay, what are you drinking tonight? That's, that's like the best one they make. They, the Oberon comes out about this time of year, too, and Oberon's real nice oh, if, you like wheat, if you like wheats. Oh, but I love Oberon. Yeah, the Two-Hearted is nice. Mm. It's, it's IPA night, apparently, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm also repping for Zaftig tonight. I got the Juicy Lucy. Mm, I got, uh, Wylands is right down the street. I can get a steady stream of uh, Juicy Lucy there. So That is a, that is a great place to get beer. Not that I know great places to get beer, but <laughs> I'm drinking it out of my uh, my commemorative Zaftig snifter uh, as well. So look at you! Uh, You're like yeah, I'm not even hold it like this at some point. <laughs> the European grip. Wow, that's fantastic. 
Uh, Jay, I don't know if you had a chance yet, and, and when it's safe, you have to do this. They came out with a Super Lucy uh, that uses uh. passion fruit and orange and guava, and it is amazing. So you get oh, a chance yeah? to go there. You got to try it. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I love this stuff. It's like the right amount of hoppiness. Sometimes you have like, sometimes you get an IPA and it's like you've got like a car air freshener in your mouth. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. it's a little too much hop thing going on. There's a little too much of the aromatics and stuff. And it's just like, it blows everything up. That it's, is, it's, like, it's a great balance, but I'll try the new one too. I'm down for trying anything from Zaptics. I love that. The car air freshener, man. That's <laughs> Zaftig, if you're listening, your next beer. Car air freshener, ladies and gentlemen. Accompanied by black ice and a little Christmas tree on the bottle. It'll be great. It'll be great. Well, folks, uh, tonight we, like I said, are really excited to dive into this topic. Um, this this whole show works like a discussion-based show where we just talk to each other like we would in a normal world. Uh, the reality is most of you listen to this uh, through podcasting, and we love that. So make sure you like and subscribe that. Uh, you can also check it out on YouTube at The Brutette. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, you get bored, you want to listen to three guys talk about jazz and beer, then you're in the right place. This is going to be, this is going to be a good one. So I'm going to dive right into it, guys. Um, our first kind of topic is the idea of an origin story. Um, I think so many people, artists talk about their origin story or are asked about their origin story, but I think not a lot of people dive into the tools that musicians use and how they arrive in those musicians, musicians hands in the first place. Um, and Jacob, I know this is something you and I kind of talked about a little bit uh, recently. I just purchased a, a new horn, and I'll talk about that shortly. But you had mentioned a special set of uh, drums that you had purchased or had been gifted. Do you want to talk a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah, they're actually they're actually right behind me. I don't know if you can see there. Yeah, uh, they're set up here. Um, so that's a uh, stop sign badge uh, Gretsch kit. <clears throat> um, that was like the go-to kit for cats in the uh, late 60s, I think, as early as the late 60s, but mm. definitely in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and that drum set was my high school drum set teachers. Oh, how cool. And uh, he's, the guy that, he's the first guy that really introduced me to jazz. Um, he was a total like mentor, not only as a drummer, but as a, just like a person like a real sage. In fact, I've been blessed to have both of my drum set teachers be like more than a, a, a musician teacher. They, they were both sages. So it was Frank Worrell in high school and, uh, and Joe Ong, uh, here in, yeah. uh, in college. And I mean, both yeah, of them are like definitely Buddhist Zen kind of dudes. Definitely taught me about the spiritual side of music. Definitely <clears> taught me about, how to get into the spiritual side of music as a player so that you perform better and how to keep ego out of it. And I mean, they taught me so much and uh, it was a real, it kind of like blew my mind. Um, right after I graduated um, grad school, I actually took over for Frank in teaching his studio oh, in wow. Carborough, uh, Carborough, North Carolina. Yeah. That's where he taught for many, many, many years. And he decided uh, at age like, 55 or something like that, that he had always wanted to surf. He was the kind of guy that was like, if that was his thing, then he was going to go pursue it. And he kind of taught me that same kind of idea of passion and work towards it. So he, he was like, Hey, I'm moving to California because I've been practicing here in North Carolina and I've been going to the beaches, but it's time to go to the big, you know, the big waves out in California. I'm leaving. Will you take over the studio? <laughs> so I took over the studio, which was awesome and like intimidating, but Oh yeah, no kidding. Right, right time in my life. And, um, and then like he spent almost a year out there and then it didn't work out because like it hurt his knees and like financially California was way expensive. Yeah, go, like, figure. Okay, go figure. That was a blast. <laughs> I'm still a surfer, but I need to come back to North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> and that worked perfectly for me because I had just gotten engaged and it was time for me to come back here and be with my bride to be. And, uh, his thing was like, Hey, I'm, I'm cleaning out. I'm starting over again. And he was like, Jake, take my drums. So he just Man. gave me the, the black Gretches. He gave you, he, he gave you the top line right there. He's like, here, yeah. I want you to have these. 
Well, and it's, you know, as we'll get into earlier, like, yeah. it's not just that they're that kid. Right. It's that he played on them and that, like, his yeah. musicianship was in them and, and all that kind of stuff. And it, like, it still kind of spooks me. Like, if I'm not thinking about it, I sit down and play. Right. But if I'm thinking about it or I go out and take them on a gig, it's like a little, mm. like, oh. Man. <laughs> I got I to gotta step up to the plate more. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, I, I totally can relate to that. And um, yeah, I think it's interesting, too, that you talked about your two mentors and your teachers. Um, I, the first time I met Joe was uh, at Music and Arts. I was doing, uh, I, I think I was the rental temp the first round and then a private lessons instructor the next round. And every time Joe would come in with his coffee cup, he was as chill as could be just super. But like, it was great because every time you saw a kid or an older kid go into a studio, they were never intimidated. It was this yeah. relaxed kind of feel where they could learn things. And um, I think it's really special to have teachers that are are kind of at the point where they are amazing musicians, but they check that at the door and care about kids first, I, th I think, and, and yeah. care about carrying on the tradition first. I think that's what's really, really important. Um, Joe was so good at like cracking jokes to just like let you drop all of the, the stuff that you bring into a lesson. Yeah. You know, I, I'm in college. I got all this stuff in my head about I got to prove myself. And I was messing up all the time. So it was like a disaster psych psychologically, right? Like every and college just, kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Um, and he would just be so good at like sort of forcing me to drop all that stuff by just being who he was, by being funny, by being clever, by being egoless himself. And then that meant that the time we spent together working on music, we both sort of let that ego crap go. And yeah. it was beautiful. Uh, it's, it's a special connection. We'll talk more about that uh, soon, I'm sure. Jay, talk to me a little bit about your your horn setup. And, and are there any horns that are particularly special to you or origin story-wise? I, I remember you telling me a story about a, uh, I don't know if it was your alto or tenor, but you had gotten an ad in a newspaper for it and you drove yeah. <laughs> a, a while to, well, not a while, a while, but you drove right then that day. You were like, I'm going to go get that. That's how it's going to get done. Carrie, do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah. I, I, you know what? I have a lot of, I, I'm sure, I'm sure Jacob has the same sort of thing. And, and I know Corey has a few different horns too, but it's like every horn you kind of like, you grow, you, you grow, I don't know, you, you knowing this is kind of like knowing people, you know, like, like knowing where they come from, knowing where the, knowing their background, the instruments background kind of like ties you to them a little bit more, you know, ties you into like the, the legend of that instrument a little bit. Right. And maybe it does affect your psyche a little bit. So this, this the particular instrument you're talking about is my tenor. It's still the one that I've got. It's the only one I've ever purchased actually. Yeah. I've had a lot of altos go through my hands, but that's my one and only tenor. And I just, you know, I was like, I don't know. I think I was a freshman. It was like my, the summer after my freshman year of college. And I was just in love with Michael Brecker. I just had an ongoing love affair with Michael Brecker. I loved his playing. As every and, saxophonist goes through that phase. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, and he was everywhere in those days too. He was on every pop recording. He was on every jazz recording. He was on every, every recording. So, um, and you know, I was just, I was brand new to the tenor. I'd only played tenor for a year and I just, I just had, had to have my own basically. And, uh, I learned about, I read everything I could about Brecker and I knew that he played on a Mark six and I was like, Oh, here's one for sale. You know, I was at home in the summer. I'm looking at the Detroit news and it's like, Oh, want ads or, uh, you know, classifieds. Here's one for sale in Plymouth. So I got into a car with a friend of mine. It was probably her car now that I'm thinking about it because I didn't have one. So she probably drove me out to Plymouth so, <laughs> and it's not a, it's not a, a, not a short drive. So, and then I'm sure, and she sat there while I was like, you know, I'm almost certain now that you're making me think of this, that it was, it was Kathy Cavill and she drove me out to Plymouth cause she's a great friend Yeah, and she had to sit there for an hour while I tried it out too. So <laughs> good friend. So yeah, it's still the one I've got. And uh, yeah, I love it. I bought it from a kid who was in, uh, he was a college student at U of M and he wasn't playing it and he knew the horn had value. So he sold it and thank goodness I bought it because that's been my one and only tenor. So I've played other ones like it, but that's the one I always, I, I don't ever buy another one. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fair. Up until recently, I could say the same, Jay, but, uh, Up until recently, yeah, yeah. but I, I have a few people to blame for that. And, uh, <laughs> 
Uh, you know, I've, I've purchased a few saxophones in the past few years and my wife, uh, still loves me. So that's good news. That's we're lucky there. That's good. Um, but I, I, one of the ones that I really love is my, my Barry sax and I'll get into my tenor later, but the, the Barry that I purchased, um, actually from episode two, the guy I talked to Ben, uh, Baker, it was his saxophone and I've been looking for this Barry sax forever. I wanted a 12 M con baritone saxophone. Didn't care what year necessarily. It would be fine if it was a later year, if it was a Mexican made con, it was fine. And I wanted it so bad, and I'll never forget, I was sitting in the parking lot at Capitol, because I, I, I work with their cadet band. And I was sitting in their parking lot 20 minutes before rehearsal was supposed to start, so probably when I should have gotten out of the car and gone in and got warmed up with the kids <laughs> and all that. And I, you know, as saxophone junkies or as gear junkies, I'm sure, Jacob, you can relate to staring through pages of drum set stuff and, and cymbals and whatnot. Um, and I, I'm scrolling through Craigslist, and lo and behold, here's this this con 12m baritone saxophone and i'm freaking out i'm like that's that's the horn that's the horn and then when i found out it was kind of in my price range i was like well okay i'm gonna pack my bags let's go tomorrow i'm excited and uh it didn't work out because the next day there was a giant snowstorm and so i couldn't drive because it turns out it was all the way in athens and uh, I love my wife. And she was like, are you sure you want to drive all the way to Athens to pick up a saxophone? And I was like, this is the one. We've waited forever for this. Uh, it, it, you said we there. Are you yeah. sure? <laughs> you're right. She could probably attest to that uh, was not the we, but it's, you're right. You're right. Um, and uh, it was a great story because I got to meet this this. Uh, I say kid, but, you know, he's a college student and uh, going into his last year. And I meet him and I actually, I thought, you know, I should probably bring someone because I'm always afraid to do transactions by myself, even though I look like a scary, intimidating guy. Those of you who know me know that I'm a giant teddy bear and could probably harm nobody. Um, and so I, I asked my dad and it was a, it's a great memory for me. My dad and I uh, took a road trip down to Athens, Ohio together. Um, we hadn't really hung out uh, for road trips or anything like that in a long time. And uh, he went with me and we were able to get the saxophone. Um, but that that story from just the road trip is what makes that saxophone so special to me. Um, when I play it, I, I think about him a lot because he was there to go with me to to go get this. So I think it's really interesting the origin stories behind our instruments and and what they mean. Um, so you know, I'm curious do do the stories themselves make your instruments special to you? Um, I know Jay, you were talking about getting into that a little bit about how, you know, the story of, of driving in the Plymouth all the way to get the saxophone made that saxophone even more valuable to you because of what you went through to get it or, or the, the process. Um, you know, how, how, how is that instrument special to you? Are there more, are there concerts, are there gigs, are there things that really make that instrument something very special to you? Well, for me, you know, I look at it over the years that I've had it, it's gotten so ugly. <laughs> and I just, I just love it. It's all scabby and all those scabs are mine. Cause when I bought it, it was beautiful. It, it was a, in really, really nice shape and it's not a particularly old one. So it was maybe, maybe 12 years old when I bought it. Yeah. So it was, it was not that old and it was really lightly used. So I look at the thing now and I'm like, I love how scabby it is. It's got <laughs> this. I don't know if you can see this, but this, this is my favorite, my favorite war wound right there is, I don't know. You can't see that, but there's a post right there. That's worn. Like, oh yeah. Got a big flat mark on it from where my thumb has been rubbing on it for 30 years or something. I'm so proud of that. That, that is awesome. That is awesome. As, uh, as my great mentor used to say, right. Alexis would always say, it's character on your saxophone. It builds character. character. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to say scabby, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't talk to her that way in front of the internet. Take me back. <laughs> Jacob, um, you had talked briefly about, you know, getting the weird feel when you're playing at gigs and things like oh, that, yeah. the little edgy feel, you know, what, what, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, okay. So, I mean, to add to this origin story, um, so my teacher, Frank, whose kid it was, I don't know if it was on this kit, but, you know, he was playing in the, in, in the scene in North Carolina um, and uh, had a couple gigs with Miles Davis, which is wild. Oh, my God. Um, he also, in the 70s, um, went to this, like, creative music camp in Chicago. I'm probably getting the name wrong, but it was for, like, really out free jazz kind of stuff. 
in Chicago in the summers, like uh, for adult students and, and like camp for adult students. Yeah. Um, and the drum set professor the year he went was Jack DeJanet. <laughs> <laughs> which is something. Um, and, and to, to meet everybody the first day, he just told all the drummers to set their drums up in a circle. Yeah. And so there was like 20 drum sets set up in a circle. And Jack DeJanet walked into the room, didn't say a word to anybody, and played on all the kits. What? As a way, yeah, as a way to like meet the, 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 the players. Oh my gosh. And then when he finished on Frank's kit, that kit, <laughs> and he had never said anything to anybody else, but he turned around and he looked at Frank. And he was like, yeah, little black wretch, and then walked away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that, that's, like, adds to the layer of intimidation. What? It's, it's like... It's not even. It's not even that Frank played on it, like which is awesome, and he's my teacher. There's that connection, but right, Jack Dejanet. To sit down and play on it is a little like ah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I can't live up to that, but I, I try. Awesome. <laughs> it challenges me to do my best. I I'm sorry, I'm still blown away. Like my <laughs> that. That's insane, man. And, you know, it's easy to say when you're at gigs and things like that, at least, you know, part of this, this show this week is talking about how those things have presence in, in live music, like that, that singular moment where he came by and played that kit had, it still has presence in your performance today. I, I mean, I personally believe, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think, Jacob? What, what, what's your say to that? I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty, we turn into worms in the ground kind of dude. <laughs> um, in general, so I, <laughs> right. But, but I really do get into the spirituality of music, I think, and the connections between people and music and, and cause that's what it's all about, right? right. It's not just the music and it's not just the people. It's the connections that happen between them. And I think that what we're talking about and, and, and instruments sort of taking on this history and story, sort of the soul of the instrument, I think it, it, it definitely operates. Right. It certainly operates on me psychologically. And I think, uh, you know, like, like speaking of my other drum set teacher, Joe Long. So I was in, in college and I needed better cymbals because my cymbals were like the crap that you play on in high school and they didn't sound good. Hey, now. And I, that's all I have. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And I told him, I told him this and Joe said, okay, okay. But you know, we're like college kids. He was like, so don't, you know, don't just go online and buy one really nice thing. That's all pretty. He said, here's what you need to do, man. Go to the pawn shops and don't go to the pawn shops in the nice neighborhoods. <laughs> are, are there pawn shops in the nice neighborhoods? I don't know. <laughs> go to the pawn shops in the not so good neighborhoods and go look for the old symbols and he said, just doing that will give you some soul. Whoa. <laughs> um, but then you also find some, you know, like, bullet holes, right? But also like, I'll find a symbol that's got its own life, right? It's own, it's not a brand new symbol that's just been pressed, but it's like a symbol that's been played. That's like worked more than I have. Man. Right. Yeah. And so the symbols that I, a lot of, not all, but a lot of the symbols I play on are actually like uh, an old Zildjian from the fifties. Oh my gosh. Uh, a Zildjian from the sixties, another Zildjian from the seventies. And like, they've been playing longer than I have. Oh so my they, gosh. They, teach, they teach me. Right. Right. When I go to try to swing on that symbol, if I'm doing it right, I listen to the symbol and the symbol tells me, I'm doing it right or wrong, or it, it guides me to make uh, a better man. thing sound, right? What a cool point. That is so interesting. <laughs> That's the same thing I think of with instruments. Well, with not like yours. <laughs> there it is. Jay said it. Drummers don't count. That's it. We also think about that as musical instruments. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but it's the same thing. I think that you know, regardless of the saxophone, it's like some people that are that you, you find a way to make your body resonate the instrument. The instrument yes. is the instrument. Yeah. Yes. And your body, like we have to take on a certain shape with our throat and, you know, the voicing and the way we approach it with our air and stuff like that. We have to, and we make the instrument 
we make our body fit the instrument and resonate the instrument. So it's like a partnership almost. So I feel the same way when I, when I feel like everything's really clicking, I'm listening to my instrument, you know? Yeah. And I'm I'm feeling it. And and, and some instruments do that really, really well. And other ones it's, I, I can't make my body align to it and bring it a lot, bring it alive yet. You know? Yeah. So that's really interesting. You said that about a symbol. That's really, that's really, really very interesting to me. You know? I mean, I agree. I think it's insane to think you know, because I, my, my immediate mind is going straight to the, the drums themselves, right? You're talking about snare drum, toms, all that. Well, you think about symbols. How cool is it that you play an instrument that different components of that instrument can come from different lives? And like, how cool is it that you get to play a full set that is composed different of elements. different parts and different you, like yeah. that is blowing my mind right now and i've never thought <laughs> of drums that way ever yeah it's they're uh, also a musical instrument Corey. i don't know if you <laughs> shut <need> up <laughs> my coworker's never gonna let me down for this ever again every time i go back to work he's gonna be like hey by the way i still play an instrument so shut up <laughs> let you know <laughs> you know um it, it's interesting jay because you're talking about how sometimes an instrument can click um, and I, I experienced yeah. that when, when you and Pete I know called you did, me, yeah. <laughs> so, so the story goes, I, I'm sitting at my, my, uh, desk doing some school stuff and I get a text from Jay that says, Hey, are you, you looking for a saxophone? And I thought better than to ask Abby if it was okay if I look at saxophones. <laughs> uh, but, but I said, well, I'm not really in the market, but what's, what's going on? And you, you told me, well, I, you know, Pete has a, a nice saxophone that he's looking to, to get to somebody. And, um, so I, I, the story goes, I, I talked to Pete and all of that, and it turns out it's Bredette Green's saxophone, which mm. just blows my mind. And I know, Jacob, you have a, a connection, too, to Bredette. Um, but I've never felt so strongly attached to an instrument like I have on this one. Uh, because in the first two minutes of trying the sax out, everything worked. And it's not mm. just like the mechanisms worked. <laughs> it's that like I didn't have to work extra hard to make everything work it just clicked perfectly and i felt at that moment that i had some strange connection between the past owner of this horn and and myself (laughs) Um, and it really it's really something that sticks with me in my practice and so i you know i've always wanted to practice but now i i never stop practicing now it's sitting there ready for me to open and play because it's this connection that i keep building in the way that i kind of can kind of compare it to is relationships, right? So, you know, Christian faith or whatnot is, is and I, for a long time, people on the internet who are watching, I wanted to be a, a youth pastor. Interesting, huh? Could you see this guy ever doing that again? No. But uh, anyways, what's really, really interesting is that in Christian faith, you're always building a relationship with God. But that's how I feel about my instrument now. Every time I'm practicing, I'm building this relationship with this tool. And I think that is absolutely fantastic. All right. We have to take a very, very short break. We will be right back. No worries. Uh, We'll get right back into the origin stories and my favorite next segment, which is nicknames. Hello, Jay Miglia is back with us, ladies and gentlemen, and so is Jacob. Responsibilities. Sorry. We are we are back on the air, everybody. We are so excited to see you. Sorry for that very short break we had. We are so happy to be back and reunited with everybody. I like on here too, Chris. If you're still listening, Chris Lisi. Yes, saxophones cost less than children. I would agree to that statement a lot. So just like to put that out there. Any, if you want a good one. If you want a good one. You're right. That's important, I guess, apparently. Um, you know, guys, we were talking about, uh, you know, the origin story. And so along with that, Jay, I, I want to pick your brain for a second. Uh, I know you're like, wait, what? Me? The hair's down. There's a lot of access. <laughs> but, you know, Jay, uh, tell me, and, and this will <clears throat> truly refer to how much of a geek I am. Nicknames. Is uh you, you got a good nickname there for uh the tenor you've got on your lap right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is great because I go ahead. I don't name them. This. I don't name my instruments. I know some people do, but I, I don't want to get too attached. <laughs> That's it. Because if it goes overboard all of a sudden, it's like you gotta have a funeral for your instrument. That'd be terrible. I call him Sir Leaks a 
lot right now. He's, not, he's, he's, he's leaking pretty badly. So, uh, well, you know, uh, according to our governor, apparently our economy and everything will be back up and running. So you can go oh, get it that. fixed. I'll be calling on Matt Adams. There it is. Yes, Matt's gonna fix a few of mine too. That's very true. Uh, Jacob, what about you? You got any names for your instruments? No. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite because as I was planning the segment, I was banking on the fact that both of you would uh, not have nicknames so that I could be the true, true weird nerd out here. (laughs) The truth is uh, the best nickname by far came when I was in high school. I nicknamed my first tenor saxophone Jasmine. (laughs) Yep. And that's when I knew I should be a middle school band teacher. How do I mute you? (laughs) (laughs) You wish. I have that control. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You know. (laughs) Listen. Listen. I was 15. All right. Come on. What do you expect? 15 year olds out there. Anyways, don't be watching the show if you're 15. Turn it off now. Yeah, darn it. Um, but you know, I think the we were talking more and more about uh, you know the connection that we have with our instruments and how it works. And uh, before we left our break, um, I was talking about my connection with Brunette's horn, and so it keeps adding every time because I find more and more deep stories about. That. For example, I was talking to Matt Ellis the other day, uh, which, by the way, love the man. He's doing great. He does great things for our kids in middle school. Thank you, Matt. Um, but he was telling me how he would always call Bradette for gigs, but he would always make Bradette not play alto. He's like, play a horn that's not alto because he's lead alto, you know? So you would think that that's the horn he would pick. And Matt was telling me stories about how he would always play that tenor. And just oh. that story of knowing that this saxophone has been in those situations uh, and and being able to play it just means that much more. Like. It, the monetary value of, of the instrument, when you find the instrument, it could be worth a hundred bucks or it could be worth $5 million. It doesn't matter because your connection to that instrument just far outweighs everything else. So I, I just think it's mm-hmm. amazing to click with your instrument. So Jacob, I got to ask you, yeah. um, was it the first time you sat down? Was it the first gig? When did you know you were like, that's the instrument for the rest of my life? Um, I mean, he gave me the drums, and I wasn't going to say no. They're super sweet sounding That's fair. drums. That's very fair. <laughs> they're, the, they're the kit that, like, everybody, you know, craves. Uh, not everybody, but it's, like, a very classic, you know, uh, setup yeah. um, for, for jazz drummers. Um, and, you know, Gretsch has a long history of being a go-to uh, brand for a lot of jazz guys. Mm. Um, and so, really, it wasn't like, oh... I played it and that decided that I like it. It was, he's giving me this. I have to live up to you know, to this. Yeah. I have to find, uh, you know, a way to make them sound good to, to develop that relationship. Um, to be honest, I'm still very much working at it. Uh, I mean, if we're to, to, to open up a little bit about it, it's intimidated me so much that it was Frank and Jack DeJanette that's played on those. And I have sort of my own, um, uh, you know, confidence issues as a player. Yeah. That kit has has stayed indoors and not out at gigs a lot more than it probably would uh, in another musician's hands. Yeah. Um, it took talking to Jim Rupp, the great Jim Rupp over at Columbus Pro Percussion. They always take care of me and any other drummers. Um, I told him the story about it, and he was he was very kind and very encouraging. He was like, "Oh, that's amazing." You need to take those out. You need to play those, man. You can play those. It's okay. You can play those. Things, you know? Like he encouraged me. Um, so for me, it's not like it clicked. Like I knew that's the one, but it's been more about developing the confidence to feel worthy. You know, I feel like um, Wayne's World, which actually Frank, speaking of my drum set, Frank, Frank, drum set teacher Frank, he always quoted that because that was like out. When that's I was like, fantastic. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Right? Um, I definitely feel like those guys when I'm playing those drums and I have to, um, I mean, they sound super sweet. So yeah. it's true that there are moments when I play them that it clicks and I'm like, oh, these sound amazing. I'm like, like what you're saying, Jay, when, when like the, the vibe is flowing and you're, you're doing the right thing and, and the drums sing. It definitely happens, but I think my psychology is a little bit messed up in terms of just the, the intimidation factor of the players who've played on it. You know? 
And if I had a horn, if I had a horn that had a like a that kind of a, a history tattooed on it, I, I don't know that I would be any different. Yeah. If I had a famous uh, an instrument that was famous, right, right, on hands, you know, I don't it's know, I don't know that I would feel any differently than you do. Yeah. It's nice hearing other people say that. I don't feel as, as <laughs> get over it, snowflake. <laughs> Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, on Jay insults our guests one hundred and one. So happy you're here, Jay. So happy. No, I do have I, a, seriously, I do have seriously, a, seriously, that's a, that's a big that's a big thing, you know. It is. It is. It's a big um, thing. You know what? I can. You just reminded me of something. I, uh, Joe Lovano played on this for a weekend. What? Oh, Shut up. At a at a festival one time, Shut his horn up. didn't show up. It was middle. It was middle of like nowhere, Oklahoma, and I had my horn because I was like part of this festival, and Lovano's horns didn't show up um, on the airplane. Because anyway, long story. But it, so I had my horn, so I was like, Mr. Lovano, you can play my saxophone if you want to. Oh my so, yeah, so Lovano played this for the weekend. So, and I remember getting it back after he played on it, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a mess. I had the same, like, that phobia. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm about to play you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> after what you've been I'm through, it's, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're yeah. going to forget all about that Joe fella. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah, so I, 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 I've actually experienced what you've experienced. So yeah, I dig, I dig it. Uh, Corey, I do have a story like what you're talking about yeah. clicking. Um, so uh, the the snare drum with that kit is actually a snare drum I brought from Phil Shipley, uh, principal percussionist of Columbus Symphony. Oh, man. He used to play with the Albany Symphony. Crazy dude, awesome dude, super kind. <laughs> um, and the story is not about that, but it's about another piece of equipment I bought from him. Um, in fact, it was, I think it was because I went over to buy that snare. So I, I got, I, Joe Long knows Phil. They went, they went to school together, I think, or at least they, they grew up a lot together. And so uh, Joe knew that I was looking for some other stuff. And Phil called Joe anyway and was like, I'm clearing out my stuff. I want to sell it to your students before I like send it off on eBay and sell it to somebody who I don't know and don't care about and all that stuff, right? And I'll cut him a deal. I just want to get rid of the stuff and make sure it's in good hands. So I actually went over to um, <laughs> Phil's house in London, Ohio. Uh, it's like this apartment thing. Um, at least three times uh, to pick stuff up throughout my college years. And oh, man. I called him for, I think <laughs> I called him to see if he had a Gretsch snare, I think, to match this kit. Um, and I went over. There's lots of stories from going over to, to hang out with Phil. <laughs> this is Phil Shipley. They're all PG. I, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I will keep it. I will keep it to just this one. So I go over there, and uh, and I, I I show up, and I'm like, all right, Phil, I, I want to check out the snare. He's like, no, 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 don't worry about the snare. Come, 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 look at this. I'm like, no, Phil, I, I came to buy this snare, man. Like, where's the snare? He's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. He brings me into his living room, which you know, this I think this is the last time I had. I was there, so he had been clearing out. He had tons of stuff. He had been clearing out. Um, like, he had so much stuff that it was, like, filling up rooms. Yeah. But now it was all cleared out. And literally in his living room, there was, like, a sofa, a chair, and a hi-hat stand and a pair of hi-hats. What? <laughs> in the room. It was insane. Maybe a lamp or something. But, like, it was literally, like, nothing in the room except for this hi-hat stand and a pair of hi-hats. He's like, you got, you got to play these things, man. Jake, Jake, you got to play these things. You're going to want to buy these things. It's the second time you play this. I was like, oh, man, cool, but, like, I'm not in the market. I don't, right. I don't want I – don't, I, don't, I got the hi-hats, man. I got these nice whatevers. I want to buy this snare to, to go with the kid. He was like, fine, 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 but, but play the hi-hats first. <laughs> And he handed me the stick and I did the thing, you know, like the thing that we're all going to do to test out. Cause the thing you do the most often, right? You, <clears throat> you lose the hi-hat enough that it shushes a little yeah, and then you hold it with your left hand and you do, and you kind of open and close it with your fingers. Like yeah. the thing that you would use the hi-hat the most for besides just with your foot, right? To get the sound. What, how do I, how do I tell I want to do these? And I did it probably like for two measures and then I stopped and I said, how much? <laughs> because these these hi-hats sounded when i did that on the hi-hats i sounded like all the guys on all the records from the classic albums in the 50s yeah and the reason 
is because they're Zildjian A's from the 50s. Yeah. Oh my God. Man. Of course I wanted those because that's exactly wow. what I wanted to sound like. And he knew it. And he knew it before I ever got there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Man. He could have sold you anything. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, okay. So, so on the topic of selling, I, you know, I'm interested in this too. Um, you know, for me, it, it takes a special person to purchase an instrument that I want to sell. And that sounds yeah. stupid because, you know, obviously everybody's dependent on, on what, what their reason for selling is. Uh, but for me, if I'm going to sell a horn that I've played, it, I got to find like the right person. Uh, mm. And I'm interested. I don't know. Have you guys ever had a similar experience when you're trying to, you know, sell an instrument that you've had? Um, I don't know. Jay, you're shaking your head. Yes. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, so is it neat? Does it need to be so? I know, right? Great radio yes. space. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but Jay, you yeah, know, yeah. was it someone that was close to you? Was it a special like situation for that person or what, talk about it? Uh, I, I've, I've experienced that from both ends as being like uh, being the buyer and being the seller. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even really recently, like within the last like half year, there's a, there was a guy in Columbus that was trying to sell his father's Alto as a super balanced action Alto oh, man. and really, really nice instrument. Like Paul Desmond used to play <sighs> and it was like number one of the series too. It was like the serial number was like four, five, zero, zero, one. It was like the very first one ever made. Um, and it was really lovely. And part of the process of like buying this instrument was to, I had to play for the guy. I had to play take five because yeah. it was his dad's favorite song. And we had like an interview process for me to buy this <laughs> instrument. Right. So that, I, that's me experiencing it as a, as a buyer. But, um, and I, a similar thing too. I bought a King super 20 one time, oh. one of the, one of the nicest altos I've ever owned from 1945. And it belonged to a guy who lived in Cambridge, Ohio. And used to like, he was, he had like a regional big band and stuff, a dance band. Um, his son, Bill is, is, um, still with us and still playing. He's a drummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bill Armstrong lives in, out in Cambridge still. Um, anyway, his, 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 it was his dad's horn and his, you know, it was just, so it, it had this, he was a big band player in the forties and fifties. And then he got a super 20, a silver sonic so a new model and you put this one away so that yeah that had a horn that horn had a ton of history already like living in it and it was magnificent and when i played it i felt like i was cannonball adderley i could i could sound like cannonball adderley on that instrument i totally got where he was coming from it blew like a tenor but it was an alto and it was just like the sound was just like gigantic and the whole thing shook when i played it it just resonated wow that's awesome so i sold that horn to a really deserving student too and i i sold it for way less money than it was worth and, yeah because i i mean that's what really gets me about the joe long story too about the drum set jacob it's the, oh, yeah. the he just laid that on you or i'm sorry that was frank that, that was frank but yeah gave you the drum set that's just so incredibly generous and what yes. a generous guy and he's your teacher and my that my Mark Six Alto I got from my teacher, and he gave me a break on that. He didn't. Yeah, he sold yeah. it to me for way less than it was worth. Yeah. Um, so it's like I'm passing that on to this kid too. When I sold him that Alto, I'm like, yeah. I've been the beneficiary from generous teachers, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm in a better situation than this kid is. So, and he needs this horn because he's awesome. So <laughs> yeah. I sold him yeah. a really great horn for a really great price and right. you know it feels good to be able to pass it on you know I, I think yes. it's really funny that you were talking about having to play take five and whatnot but that that's such a common story for everybody who's at least I, who I've talked to in purchasing, purchasing I had an audition to buy the horn right, right exactly <laughs> I, uh, I was on eBay one day this was probably like five years ago and I found this beautiful reference 54 which Jacob in saxophone world is like modeled off of the Mark six, but it's a modern horn. So it gets all the benefits. Okay. And I saw it and I was like, Oh crap, man, that's, she has it right now for $1,800. If I zip up to Akron, I can offer like twice as much cash right now and we can do this. And however I got it in my head, I got it in my head and I went on this trip, got in my car and drove to Akron, met this woman at some, uh, it was her friend's like weird shop. It was a weird, I don't remember. Anyways, <laughs> I met her at the shop and, um, there was a monkey paw there, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. There probably wasn't, uh, 
But I, I started playing it and she told me the story. It was her father's. He had passed away tragically and they're trying to sell it to somebody who would who would like it. So I had asked, you know, you know, what tune would you like to hear from this? And um, it was uh, it was Girl from Ipanema, I think, is the one, <laughs> which is, you know, a, a standard that everybody knows. And it's kind of cliche. Um, and I played it for her. And at the end, she was just in tears. And um, I felt bad because the story didn't work out. I didn't have enough money to buy the saxophone, but I at least could play a song for her. For her, yeah, there you go. For her, um, made her cry. For her father. That's right. That's what matters. Make people cry. Apparently, um, but you know, talking about that on the modern, the the horn I have now, the 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 Mark Six that I have that I've been so lucky to have um, from Burdette's wife. Um, in the contract of purchasing, I you know there was an agreement that I would play her a tune once a month. So whatever tune mm. she wanted, she would let me know and request it. And every month I'll play from that saxophone. That's sweet. Um, but yeah, and, but that's my way of of saying, look, I'm only half of this instrument. This instrument has a whole other life that needs to be honored and and needs to have a reason for it. But what about you, Jacob? Do you have any you know experience with any of the instruments you've had in the past that you've maybe sold off or whatnot? No, I don't think so. But yeah. I, I, but I get it. I think that you know th- there might be people who listen to this and be like, "Oh, it's a bunch of guys romanticizing <laughs> their, 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 you know, piece. They're they're objects. They're just right. objects. Right. It's like you know, like, um, but but I think the people who understand and are touched by music and who get the power that music can have on people's lives, yeah." Um, that like if you understand that, then then to understand how this stuff has such meaning is super easy, um, yeah. because it's it's it is it's a tool, but it's the tool that we use to to do that to make to make the music and and so like the idea of cutting somebody a, a student a break because you're passing it on yeah. or making sure it's a good fit for the right person that they're going to honor and respect that instrument, which like we're talking about has had or will have a longer life than that musician possibly. Right. Yeah. Right. Like we're honoring that. Right. And, and we have to, I think, uh, you know, I don't know that much about um, like classical Indian music, but I know that there's this like deep honoring of the instruments that happens in every performance uh, yeah. prior to the performance and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think that um, that's what we're talking about here, right. Is honoring the instrument because of what, not only the effect it has for our audience if, if we play well and things like that, but the effect it has in our lives and what we're able to, you know, learn and live f- through our music. Right. Yeah. That, I couldn't have said it better myself. Right yeah. And, and as you're saying that, Jacob, with Eastern, you know, instruments and whatnot, it also brings me to string instruments. God, some of those instruments that people are playing right now. I mean, think about how oh, yeah. how many different people they have been passed through to the Guarneri's and, and Stradivarius right. from the sixteen hundreds. Right. Just, oh, yeah. I can't I can't imagine touching an instrument with that much history. Like that much yeah. history holds a and lot power. of weight. Yes. <laughs> with great power comes great. I love Spider Man. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good comic. <laughs> Um, you know, I think we're getting closer and closer to the heart of this discussion, which is souls, right? Like, yep. you know, human being souls or, or instrument souls. And it's interesting because when I was making this outline, I had, I had formulated a, a question kind of, or a topic, which was, um, do you think that, uh, you know, let me, let me make, I'm going to read this to make sure that I'm going to read the exact thing that I wrote down here. I will drink while you read. Please do. That's what half of the show is. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a team player, right? <laughs> Pause. <laughs> but um, this pause brought to you by <laughs> But you know, I I think it's crazy how you can identify instrument sounds. But Jacob, you brought up a good point. How or or I'm, I'm assuming it's maybe it's Jay. I don't know who wrote this in because that's the power of Google Docs. Um, but how can some artists be immediately identifiable no matter what instrument they're playing? I love that question. Which one of you had that? I want to know. That's Jay. Oh, Jay. I, I guessed wrong. This is good. Jay. But, but my tune of the choice this week ties completely into that. Ah, so, yes. Oh, high five, Jay. I have planned it perfectly. <laughs> so you, you set it up, Jay, and then I'll... <laughs> I love it. I love it. But Jay, go ahead. Talk about that. It's a little bit of the opposite of what we're talking about, kind of. Yeah. I think, to, to me, at least, the, uh, I love what Jacob was just saying about, like, honoring the instruments and stuff like that. 
that's a big part of like the African drum tradition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when I was in school, um, I played in the drum in an African drum ensemble because I thought it would help me with my time. And I think it did. <laughs> There's certain yeah. things I can't feel. And I came to recognize that. Um, so that's, uh, but th- that was always a big, it was like a ritual. Like you, you always throw the drums on their side because they have, they have to rest. And it's like when you, you bring them, like you just, you honor the instrument as you play it and before, as yeah. you set the thing in place to play it. Right. Yeah. And then when you're done with it, you put it down and you're reverent toward that instrument. Yes. It's a great just word. carrying the spirit of the tree, the spirit of the animal yes. who, made, who made the head, you know, yes. who you got the head from. The um, the uh, the carver, the person who made the yeah. drums, their spirit is in that is in the, is in that, and you summon the spirit of ancestors when you play it. Right. Yeah. So and and, mm-hmm. and all sorts of other. There's so much spirituality wrapped up in it. We don't necessarily carry those kind of things in like a, a, our European based sort of tradition. Right. But uh, but yeah, I totally I, I just, like I'm totally where we're yeah you know. But like what but is what's interesting too is like when you brought up those like the like de- you know the those those like you know, string instruments that are hundreds yeah. of year old, years old that's that's a different story right. i'm talking about like we're talking about like modern kind of jazz instruments right. they're not even they're not even scratching 100 yet you know <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah that, you're like you're right when you're if you're carrying around somebody's like you know this was in the hands of you know giuseppe powdered wig yes powdered wig <laughs> um, you know from antwerp in in the 1750s <laughs> you know that's serious you know yeah, man. Um, but uh, you know what? Uh, but so I mean, I've kind of like flipped that idea, the, the idea of what we're talking about, like flipped it over, and it's like, how can people, how how can people be immediately identifiable when they play any old instrument? They walk up to any instrument and they just sound mm-hmm. like themselves. And that's like, I'm, I'm thinking, I particularly, I think, like in a modern context, I think about Chick Corea. Oh, I can pick Chick. Oh, I can pick Chick Corea out on any recording. Right. He has a touch, and it doesn't matter what he's playing, or at what point in his life. It's just it's Chick Corea. <laughs> yeah. Man, you know what a what a crazy thought. Monk. I well, yeah, I love it. You I know, Charlie Parker played on a dozen different instruments. Always sounded like himself. So sorry, I'm capitalizing on the no, conversation. No, you're good. Keith, Keith, Keith Jarrett, you can always hear yes. the gremlin in the background. <laughs> you know? I'm Keith. That's how you know it's him. Yeah. This jazz history brought to you by Zaftig. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> no, I I think it's very interesting the way you say that, and um, I know I've hinted in the past uh, and the show about the book, uh, the music lesson uh, by Victor Wooten. Um, it, it really mm-hmm. has just changed my entire approach to music. But in that, he's discovering the same thing this this fictional character that comes into his life and shows him the music and and shows him instruments and everything. He's showing and demonstrating on every instrument the same concept. And it's still through the same mind of that same person. It's not this guitarist who's going to come in and play piano the way he'd approach guitar. He approaches music in one way and carries that to every instrument. Um, and I think I think another person that is in this conversation may be cliche, and this ties into Tune of the Week, I'm excited about this, is John Coltrane. Uh-oh. You know John Coltrane from the minute he starts playing. And oh, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, like, true. Give him a different instrument. Give him something other than a saxophone, a clarinet, a soprano. Give, give him a trumpet, right? And, and assuming he had some ability to work around it, the way he approaches phrases and melodic ideas would be the same. I would argue would be the same as, as how he approaches music on the saxophone. It just so happens that he chose the saxophone or the saxophone chose him. And yeah. I mean, how cool would it be if we went back and took some of the coolest albums or the best albums and rearranged the, the people who are playing them to play a different instrument, but with the same approach, <laughs> right? Let's just assume they had the ability to play those instruments, but think about it. You know, how, how would Dave Brubeck play a trombone? I want to know, <laughs> right? I know it's a weird example, but I'm curious. Yeah. I think we're all curious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I ruined the, uh, the entire conversation. There it is. Can I, <laughs> I segue us to the next? Segment? Please do, Jacob okay. Reed. Please. So, so <laughs> the tune I picked to share with you fits totally into what Jay's talking about, and I, I picked it because it's fascinating to hear what's going on. Um, I'm a huge fan of Elvin Jones. Yeah. Um, I never pick a favorite drummer because it's like hard. 
right? It's like picking a favorite beer. How can you pick your favorite? You can't. But my, you know, uh, Elvin Jones, Roy Haynes, those guys, those are big time for me. And so the album I picked is John Coltrane's um, uh, Dear Old Stockholm. And on that album, it's Roy Haynes playing with the Coltrane Quartet. Mm. And what's fascinating is that you can definitely tell it's Roy Haynes. It's not, yeah. (laughs) But you can also hear Roy Haynes, and I don't want to say it in a bad way, but you can kind of hear him trying to play like Elvin because he's playing in Elvin's seat. Like he's playing with those guys and playing those tunes. And so it's like, it's it's Roy Haynes. I mean, this guy played with Monk. This guy's played with everybody. Like he doesn't need to be Elvin Jones. He can be Roy Haynes, but he's still like playing some elvin jones-ish stuff and so I, I find it fascinating to listen to the whole album and just be like is he is he more roy is he more elvin is he more like where where is he going oh he did oh he did that like okay that's roy oh he did this triplety thing that's elvin and it's like it, it's just a really it, it's it's exactly what you're talking about jay but in a, like a it's like a mess it's like a mixture of, of, of the two <laughs> I love that recording. I've had that recording for a long time, and I, I, I remember being really deep with that recording for for quite a quite a while. Yeah, I, that was Roy Haynes at a pretty young age too. It's yeah. like he was a kid. Yeah. So I could I could totally imagine him walking in and being like, "Oh man, I better, I better sound like Elvin right yeah, now." Yeah. <laughs> he's like in his teens or something like that. He's like 18, 19. I mean, he's yeah. young. Yeah. He's like yeah. just a just a kid, and he's like stepped into those those yeah. shoes. That's that is an enormous recording. That's a great recording. I don't know if it's still in print, but man, that's one to get. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I wish awesome. that my technology and my ability to oh, use technology would be able to play. I'm telling you, I've tried this three times now, Jacob. I, I, I'll be happy to drink again while we wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't go out of your way. Well, for those of you who are listening on the podcast right now, as I'm talking, you'll hear the beautiful sounds of this recording. So as I'm talking right now, you'll be listening to exactly what he's talking about. And for those of you who are tuning in live on the Internet, I am sorry. Uh, I would gladly accept any help through uh, OBS software that you have to tell me how I can how I can use that power. Um, Jacob, it's interesting like though. 60. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say. I think is this what, like sixty three or four or something like that. That sounds Jeez. like some somewhere in that neighborhood. That's I love that period of Coltrane. It's like it's not it's not totally like he's not totally gone yet. Right. You know, right. he's still kind of playing tunes and playing changes, but he still gets free sometimes. And yeah, he's pushing around the edges. Yeah, that's like my favorite. That's the most interesting period for me where it's like it's it's tied to the to the tradition, but it's also like pushing on to the future. Yeah. There was that Columbia, Columbia recordings of the Miles Davis quintet, yeah. like 65 through 68. Yep. Are just like that for me, too. It's kind of like yep. where, where, where that group killed swing. Right. Um, and, and, and like right. and like half the tunes they're still like swinging and the other half the tunes it's like that like weird straight eight thing that's mm. not Latin but straight eight mm. and Tony right. Williams is doing Tony Williams is thing. thing. Yes. It's right, his thing, but it's like in between and there's times when like uh it's like some swinging stuff and then there's times where you're like, What are they like, <laughs> you can hear them? You can hear them breaking all the all the rules and breaking down the walls yeah. of like the normal playing into like out there. Yeah, line. yeah, yeah. That's that's a, that's an incredible time. I I totally agree with you. Miles is still playing all those tunes from his catalog, you know. Yeah. But they're just like they're just like oh let's let's go this let's go like this. How about you stop playing for a while and yeah. you play an ostinato and you, Tony, you just play 16th notes on your hi-hat for, you know, for about five minutes. Yeah. See what happens. You know, it's, yeah, they're experimenting so much with all of Miles' old stuff, you know. It's so cool when they're, they're, they're stretching what those tunes can be. It's awesome. Man, I could talk to you guys for days. That's that's what I'm finding out right now. I need to get another beer. Time for another beer. Free. <laughs> right, right. With all the time we have, man. Uh, you know, before before we finish off this segment, uh, the other the other people that come to my mind is the the Brubeck Quartet. Uh, when Desmond was no longer part of that, and uh, forgive me, is it Joe Lovano who stepped in Desmond's place? Who stepped into Desmond's place? Oh, there was an alto player, wasn't there? Yes, and I'm forgetting Joe, his name. It wasn't Joe. He's from Buffalo, it's New not York. Lovano. It's Joe something. 
But yeah, another, I, it was an Italian guy. There it is. Yes. Okay. Joe, I don't want. I want to say Morello, but that was it. A is no? No, I have no idea. Yeah, Anyways, drummer. <laughs> I what I am what I am speaking to is the recordings of his live playing, and it was interesting because he just slightly tried to follow Paul Desmond, but still did his own thing. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting to to listen because again, if you are listening to that same tune, if you're listening to Take Five. It's not the same take five as Paul Desmond, and you can identify that almost immediately without even seeing who's playing it. And I think that that mm -hmm. is cool. They could be playing on the exact same horn, the exact same setup, and they're two different sounds because musicians, I think, connect to instruments that way. Um, you know, we can all be playing on the same setup, but we all still have just like our own individual fingerprints. We have our own sound, and we're always trying to find that sound. Sometimes we find the sound and we are not satisfied or think we're not satisfied. We change it and then we're upset with ourselves for the next five yeah. years because we actually <laughs> had the sound. And you can't escape the fact that you've lost the sound. But uh, uh, yeah. no, they got away. <laughs> but uh, but that's the other one that came to my mind is 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 that group and how it, it drastically kind of changed with with him in the seat. Um, anywho, uh, we are quickly approaching the end of the show, sadly, because this is just too much fun, I think. Uh, so we're going to we're going to close it out here with our, our closing fifth segment, which is shout outs to things that are going on around us. Um, it is crazy. The world that we live in. It is crazy to be an educator. It is crazy to be a musician. It is crazy to be a human being in the world that mm. we're living in right now. Uh, but. It continuously amazes me to see the inventions that people are coming up with and ways to connect with each other and relate to one another. And I think it's very special. And that's what I think is so awesome about the show. Um, obviously, I would love to be playing live on Thursdays like we normally do, but it's great for me to expand my knowledge with my friends uh, this way as well. So I thank you both for joining me today on this adventure. It was, it's, it was a lot of fun for me. So yeah, thank you. Thanks, Corey. Absolutely guys. Uh, and, and this is the time of the show. We like to shout out what's going on around us. So jazz arts group, as always, we want to thank them for everything that they are doing, um, with their podcasts that are bi-weekly Thursdays and Sundays. Zach Thompson's doing a great job with that. Byron's doing a great job with that. I love it. If you have not checked it out, uh, they're all amazing. So now you have a whole day of binging that you can go back and watch <laughs> all that they've had, which I, I am thankful for. Um, uh, just a quick shout out to the interwebs. We're excited to announce this. I, we can kind of announce it. Um, the Brutet is going to be performing for you uh, in a matter of weeks. Uh, we'll have more information coming out to you on that. But we are planning on doing a live show for you uh, one way or another. So we're going to have some fun with that. Uh, Jay, do you have anything coming up that you want to shout out or promote to? I'll be grading tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on the end of the uh, <laughs> semester there, buddy. <laughs> it was hard fought, but here we are. Hey, you know yeah. what? You'll be grading tomorrow. You guys, man, you guys with your, like, man, it's... This is a hard road. It this online is. thing, like transitioning like overnight to online. Yes. I don't know, man. You guys, you guys are my heroes. I don't know how you uh, did it. You're you're right there with us. It's hard. I, well, you gotta, what you don't you know, know a million more students than I have, though. So I mean, I don't know how you did it. What you don't know is that Jacob and I call each other almost daily, breaking down with anxiety attacks. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I, I can confirm that. And by both of us, I mean that I am breaking down constantly in anxiety uh, attacks, and Jacob's I, like, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> I've called you for plenty of, of my own worries. <laughs> but uh, Jay, you know, we, we're so thankful that you're here with us each week. And, I, and I'm yeah. very excited to have you throughout the rest of the month of May. And for those who don't know, Jay graduated with his uh, social studies uh, teaching uh, oh. certificate, which is pretty stinking exciting. So uh, I, uh, I can't wait to see you explore that avenue uh, when the Me world too. comes back to the norm. That yeah, would be right. great. But uh, our other guest here, Jacob, I am so incredibly excited that you were here with me tonight. Um, this topic is, has been something you and I've talked about a lot, uh, and I'm very happy to, to have you here. Do you have anything coming up? Anything you want to plug? Other than grading? Because I know we both have that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have anything anytime soon. Right. Once things <laughs> open up. Well, Maybe. I can say that I sincerely hope that you can get back to doing some Noctera stuff because that was really cool to see you bring in people yeah. and, and work there and play, uh, especially yeah. in POW, which I think is a cool community to kind of cultivate that that type of vibe. So uh, I don't know if they're mm -hmm. listening, uh, but if you're listening, oh, yeah. Noctera, when we get back. <laughs> we'd, we'd love to be back. We want the Jacob Reed trio. Yeah. Very so. good vibe there. And we were going to have Jay. 
That's James right. Scheduled. That's right. I forget it was when scheduled. you were scheduled. Your schedule must have been March or April. It was just a couple weeks ago. Oh. It was yeah. just a couple weeks ago. So yeah, we were missed, it. Have missed it. Missed <laughs> it. Missed it. Well, uh, that's almost it for us. Next week, we are excited. We have the great Zach Comston with us talking about jazz education. And now specifically to the internet, jazz education in the collegiate level. Jay, I'm excited to have you for there, there for that as well. For those of you who don't know, Zach Comston officially teaching the big band there at Capital University now next year. Huge news. That's super exciting that he shared today. So I'm pumped about that. Uh, from all of us at the Brews and Tunes podcast, meaning Jacob Reed and Jay Miglia tonight. We are so thankful, everybody. Have an amazing evening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, if you have questions or thoughts on what you can add to the show, please email us at thebrewtet at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, with that, I love you. Have an amazing night. Stay healthy. Don't go crazy in your houses.